Welcome to the Word of God. I'm Father Reed. Today we'll be looking at Proper 29. Now, what does that mean? We are at the end of a liturgical calendar that begins in late November or early December with the first Sunday of Advent. First Sunday, second, third, and fourth Sunday of Advent precede the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, his birth. And that begins a new calendar. Now, it's not like our annual calendar where we start in January 1 and we end on December 31st. We start with the first Sunday of Advent. Now, in our lectionary readings, which is part of the daily office, we have two years, year one and year two. We have been in year one. We will begin in year two next week. Now, Proper 29 begins on a Sunday and ends on a Saturday. And on that Sunday, for those of us going to church on Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, we will be celebrating Christ the King Sunday with the Sunday lectionary readings. So there's the Sunday lectionary readings and the daily office lectionary readings. We have been studying in the Word of God the daily office readings. The Sunday beginning proper 29 is called Christ the King Sunday where Christ is exalted as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you recall, we saw that in Revelation 19 several weeks ago. Now, if you look at your podcast list of the scriptures, you'll see in the Old Testament of various scriptures, and I won't go through each one of them and take too long, but I'll say a little bit about each. Isaiah, Joel, Nahum, Obadiah, Zephaniah, Isaiah, and Micah. Isaiah is a major prophet, and Micah and Zephaniah and Obadiah and Nahum and Joel are minor prophets. There are 12 minor prophets. There are four major prophets. After that, we will look at 1 Peter. Remember, the last couple of weeks we've been in Revelation. 1 Peter chapter 1 through 4, very good book, as we close out this liturgical year. And then finally, Matthew 19 to Matthew 20. Okay, a lot to cover today. I hope that you enjoy the reading and the lesson. Isaiah 19, 19 to 25. Again, one of the things I love about this opportunity to share with you for a few minutes is it takes you around the Bible. Maybe you don't read the Bible that much or you need something to help you to read the Bible or a way to determine what scriptures you could read. Sometimes the scriptures make sense and they are clear. Sometimes they're not so clear. As I've encouraged you over the many, many weeks of our time together, just move on to the next thing. Try to make application in your personal life to what you are reading in the scriptures. If it's not clear to you and you don't have a study Bible or any notes to go along with it, just move on to the next one. If you have notes or commentaries or way that you can study, that's always a helpful thing. And the second one is in Joel. And I think just this week, just finding out where everything is in your Bible is, is a nice exercise. Uh, Joel is after Hosea. Joel chapter 3, in those days and at that time, verse 1, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then there I will enter into my judgment against them concerning my inheritance, my people Israel. So what you see in the prophets is 
you see the judgment of God upon the nations, the judgment of God upon Israel, the judgment of God upon those that it would oppress Israel, the restoration of Israel, as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, when Cyrus of Persia was raised up in Ezra chapter 1 uh, and at the end of Second Chronicles, uh, he is going to restore the fortunes of Israel. Nahum chapter 1, 1 to 13, the Lord is an avenging and jealous God. The Lord is slow to anger, great in power. He will not leave the guilty unpunished, what I just said. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. So there's some wonderful scriptures here and texts here that are very valuable uh, in even the minor prophets. But again, the context of the minor prophets, what they're talking about, um, sometimes needs to be discerned in order for you and me to properly understand what the scriptures are. But you'll enjoy Nahum chapter 1. 1 to 13. As I mentioned, Obadiah 15 to 21, what that means is there is no chapter. It's only one chapter. It's only got 21 verses, and this is what the Sovereign Lord says about Edom in verse 1. So we go down to verse 15. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. Now, I've spoken to you a lot about the day of the Lord, the judgment of God, and the judgment of God against the nations. As you have done it, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. And so he talks about Edom, a country located near Israel, and they, according to the prophet, are going to have to pay for their sins against the Lord. Again, we are closing out our liturgical year in the Old Testament, and what you're going to see is the day of the Lord, the rising of the Lord. Uh, remember, Christ the King Sunday, the Lord is victorious, the Lord is great, the Lord judges. Zephaniah chapter 3, 1 to 13, that's a good scripture. And again, about uh, trusting in the Lord. Uh, she does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. The Lord with her is righteous. He does no wrong. The unrighteous know no shame. Again, we're back to judgment. The righteous, the unrighteous, those that follow the Lord, those that don't follow the Lord. Um, you want to be on the right side of the Lord. You want to listen to what the Lord says to you. You want to do what he says. Remember we talked last week about the judgment of God in terms of what is written in the book of life. You want your name written in the book of life so you can go to heaven. Again, we're looking at the idea of judgment. Verse 12, but I will leave within you the meek and the humble who trust in the name of the Lord. So when you trust in the name of the Lord, you're meek, you're humble, you're going to be fine. The remnant of the Israel will do no wrong. They will speak no lies, nor will deceit be found in their mouths. They will eat and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. So again, the separation of those that are following the Lord and those that do not follow the Lord. Finally, we look at Isaiah 24. Please do that. And Micah chapter 7, 11 through 20. Micah chapter 7, 11 to 20. Shepherd your people with your staff, verse 14, the flock of your inheritance. He goes on in verse 18, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? Chapter 7, verse 18, you do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. That's the essence of who God is. He shows pity. He shows mercy. He shows kindness. He shows love. He shows compassion. Here's the compassion verse. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. 
You will be true to Jacob, verse 20, show mercy to Abraham as you pledged on earth to our fathers in days long ago. You pledged to Abraham what you would do, you are going to do it. You're going to be true. You're going to show mercy. You're going to show compassion. You do not stay angry forever. You pardon sin. Beautiful verse. And I hope that you will search those out in Micah. These are perhaps verses you may not know, but if you know them, wonderful. It's always good to read them again. All right, let's go to 1 Peter 1, 2, 3, and 4. It has five chapters, and we are looking at the first four. Peter is just fantastic. Remember, this is the apostle Peter who is sharing these wonderful words with us. Um, just very, very, very powerful. I love verse 3, 4. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and in, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Your inheritance in Christ, for those of us in Christ, and I pray it's all of us, can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power in the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You have it. It is yours. It's not going to fade. It's not going to perish. It's not going to spoil. Beautiful chapter, chapter 1, 1 through 12. In chapter 1, 13 to 25, God calls us in verse 15 to be holy just as he is holy. Be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy, verse 16 of chapter 1. I could unpack that. That's a very, very significant verse and very deep in its understanding of the holiness of God and how he expects us to be holy and to live righteously also. Verse 23 and 24, verse 24. All men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. It's all going to pass away ultimately, people, but what is going to last is the word of God. This is why you need to know, you and I need to know the word of God because that is going to be permanent. That's going to be eternal. That's going to last forever. In chapter 2, he's talking about the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. In verse 4, the one who trusts in the Lord will never be put to shame. Great verse. Hold on to that one. You will not be guilty. and You will not be put to shame. Chapter 2, 1 through 10. And then we look at 11 through 25. Here's what it says in verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. I pray that's true of everyone here. We live righteously. By his wounds you have been healed. There is healing power in Jesus' wounds that he had on the cross. For you are like, were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Who's the shepherd? Remember John chapter 10, Jesus is the good shepherd. I'm thinking also of Ezekiel 34, the importance of the shepherd. Jesus is the overseer of your soul. So, Peter obviously having a great relationship with Christ, being the most important disciple, always at the top of the list, offers us some really great words in his epistle uh, reading that he gives us in 1 Peter. And of course, there is also a 2 Peter for those of you that want to read more. In chapter 3, he encourages us 
In your hearts, separate Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope you have. You always want to be ready, brothers and sisters. You always want to be ready to give the reason for the hope you have. The reason is the apologia, where we get the word apologetics. The reason. Why do you believe what you believe? You want to know that. You not only want to live a godly life, ethics, and you want to know what you believe, theology. You also want to defend what you believe. Now, what you share is evangelism. Everybody knows that. The sharing of the gospel is evangelism. But the defense of the gospel is the apologia, which is where we get the word apologetics. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He's bringing us to God, another beautiful truth from the Bible. Finally, we finish with 1 Peter 4, 7 to 19. Above all, verse 8, love one another deeply. Love covers a multitude of sins. You can never go wrong with loving people. Never go wrong with loving people. Verse 5, you will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living of the dead. We talked about that last week with Revelation 22 and 20, 20 and 22. Well, he says it in Peter also in 1 Peter 4, 5, you have to give an account. But love each other deeply, folks. Love each other deeply. And um, you will be in great shape by doing that. Use your gifts. Each person has a gift. Use your gift faithfully in the body of Christ to build up the body of Christ to build up the kingdom of God. So I hope that you enjoy 1 Peter. In Matthew 19 and Matthew 20, as we close out the year on proper 29, and what this looks like is more teaching, a teaching on divorce. It's a very controversial subject. The rich young man, Teacher, what must good, good thing must I do to have eternal life? What, what am I lacking? And then Jesus looks at him and says, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be whole and complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. Mr. Rich person, you're going to have to give up your riches. And then when you've given them up, come follow me. But he could not do that because he had great wealth. Jesus said, Verse 23, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Then who can be saved? The apostles were just stunned by this answer. And they looked at him and said, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Again, he continues to teach them. Another parable in chapter 20, which I hope you enjoy and Read is the parables of the worker in vineyard, that great parable about giving everybody the same wage, even those that came early or those that came late. People think that's unjust. People that have been working the longer should have gotten more money. Pay them the wages. So the person that got was hired at the 11th hour came and received a denarius, and those who came who were hired first expected to receive more, but they also received a denarius. It's a great teaching from Jesus where he says in verse 15, don't I have the right to do what I want to do with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? The last will be first. The first will be last. 
That's a challenging text. Matthew 20, 17 to 28, Jesus again predicts his death. Then there's a request of being on his right or left. Whoever is great must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And then finally we end with two men, blind people, receiving their sight. Jesus hears their cry, Lord God, have mercy on me, have mercy on us. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus says, we want our sight. He touched their eyes and they were healed. This incredible man. And so we see him dealing with the rich young man. We deal with the issue of divorce and marriage, the parables of the worker in the vineyard and everyone receiving the same wage, even though they didn't work the same amount of hours, the prediction of his death, who is great, who is the greatest, service of one another, two men, blind people receiving their sight. So Jesus is teaching. He's illustrating the kingdom of God. He's doing miracles. He's performing amazing functions among them. He wants them to know him, to love him, and to serve him. And so we close out our year, proper 29. We'll begin with first Sunday of Advent next week as we anticipate the coming of Jesus. This whole year has been a learning and a study of the Word of God so that we can be enriched and nourished by it and kept in the faith for Christ's will, purpose, and plan for each one of us. God bless you abundantly. I look forward.